BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Pushkin. Just a quick note here. You can listen to all of the music mentioned in this episode on our playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. For licensing reasons, each time a song is referenced in this episode, you'll hear this sound effect. All right, enjoy the episode. Carlos Santana has always been out of this world. As a guitarist, his melodic style and tone is distinctive. And as a band leader, his decision to combine Latin and African rhythms with traditional rock helped to widen the breadth of the genre. Las Paraísos Quemados, from Santana's 2019 album, Africa Speaks, produced by Rick Rubin. Today you'll hear Rick in conversation with Carlos and his wife, drummer Cindy Blackman. They talk about Carlos's plans to create what he calls miraculous music. Carlos also shares stories about Miles Davis, his LSD use in the 60s, and a dream where John Coltrane asked him the purpose of the divine. It might sound a little out there, but as Carlos tells Rick, being crazy just gives him more creative latitude. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Carlos Santana, Cindy Blackman, and Rick Rubin. What was the music you listened to growing up? My father. My father played the violin, and he sung, and he had a, um, his brother played cello. He had a piano player, guitar player, and accordion. And they basically play European music, you know. Uh, he didn't play mariachi music till we moved to Tijuana. But in, in Autlan, it was basically... Agustin Lara, who was like the Cole Porter of Mexico, you know, and uh, songs like Besame Mucho and all that kind of stuff. So I grew up watching him be enchanting and adored immediately by women, men, and children. And I said, ooh, you know, I, I want that. 
<laughs> Did you, your dad play professionally? He, yes. I didn't know that. He played violin professionally, and he's the one that taught me the value of one note, you know. And But not till we moved to Tijuana, you know, because he, he had to feed us, so he would play mariachi music, um, because that's what the tours wanted to hear. But that's what I learned about John Lee Hooker and Lightning Hopkins and uh, Jimmy Reed and everybody else was listening to Elvis and, and Beach Boys, you know. I, I, I was attracted to, I was listening to God Bucket music. I thought that even B.B. King was sophisticated, you know. <laughs> Not till later I learned about T.W. Walker and Lou Callington, man. It's like, oh, shit, you know. Uh, or Monk, you know, hearing Monk for the first time play some blues, I was like, oh, my God, this is the blues, you know. Was was Monk your way into jazz? Yes. Monk was way into jazz. I, in the beginning, because you, when you're young, you're ignorant, and I thought that anything that had to do with jazz was boring, sophisticated music for old people. You know, Chuck Berry, and little, Bo Diddley, and Little Richard, you know, that was like out front, like what Metallica is, because it was energy. And a lot of things came from them. Any... um. Any guitar players that you would say influenced you early on? Like, who were the people when you saw them play or heard them play, like, felt like there's something here for me to to follow or to practice or to learn? In the beginning in Tijuana, making the, making the transition from violin to guitar, I saw this guy named Javier Batis in the, in the park. My mom knew what she was doing because my father moved to San Francisco so he could make more money and send us money. Uh, he wasn't making money in Tijuana anymore because everybody and their mom had a mariachi band in there. So he moved to San Francisco. And my mom, was, my mom saw that I wasn't playing anymore, the violin, and, and I wasn't practicing. So she took me by the hand and she goes, you're coming with me. I says, well, where are we going? And she goes, you're coming with me. So she took me to the park and there was a band uh, playing. And this guy had a big mop like uh, Little Richard. The guy is Javier Batis, and he was a perfect combination of Little Richard, B.B. King, and Ray Charles. That's what he was sent to, and he was probably maybe four or five years older than I am, and he was already in it. He had that sound, like Michael Bloomfield or Peter Green or wow. like that, you know, he, he, because he, he, he got into B.B. King, really got into it. So when I first heard that sound, it was like seeing a white whale or a flying saucer or something, man. Hearing the guitar amplifier and everything resonate to the trees and the cars and the church across the street. It took my breath away. I was like, oh my God, what is this? You know? So he was the first one that initiated me into loving the electric guitar and the, that twang thing like, um, you know, like Lonnie Mac. And, and, and I think the main person who turned me around was John McLaughlin when I saw them at Slugs with Tony Williams and Larry Young. That put a whole other thing on me. Miles, Miles Davis' favorite guitar player, and there's a reason. Uh, his articulation and his imagination. Uh, and we became really good friends and brothers. And um, I've been really fortunate and blessed, you know, that uh, I've been at the right place at the right time, and people adopt me. Uh, they trust me, so therefore... You know, except for one guy, I'm not going to say who, but when, it went, when he caught me looking at his hand, see what he was doing, he immediately turned, turned his back to me. And, and he looked at me like, you know, like I was going to steal something from him, you know. And so that made me realize, okay, you know, not everybody's going to be uh, giving, you know. Some people are going to be really paranoid about you stealing their stuff, you know. 
even though it's not their stuff, it's BB King where they're playing, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think when I came came to San Francisco because of Michael Shreves, this drummer, he brought a lot of records of Coltrane and Miles only, and he says you need to listen to this. And I go, I do. He says, yeah, because this this is this is you, man. This is we. I said, okay. How old were you at that time? Probably uh, 19, 18, 19. And you were already, so you were steeped more in, you'd say at that point, more in rock music. And then at 18 or 19, you started getting into jazz? Yes. B.B. King was king, Ray Charles. Yeah. Uh, that that was that was it. And then once, like I said, once I discovered Monk and Coltrane and, and, and Miles, it was, it was like like they say, the genie is out of the bottle. You know, you can't put it back in. You know. And is the band that the band that we know you as was that your first San Francisco band? First San Francisco band was um, drummer and a bass player that they kind of took me in because uh, I just came from Tijuana. They had instruments and and I barely had a guitar, so they helped me get an amplifier and. But, but we were entering contests like uh, the Battle of the Bands in San Francisco, KYA and, you know, like that. And they had like a thousand bands in, in, in a gym, in a school gym. And it thinned out because they wanted something original. They didn't want, you know, another Rolling Stones or the Who kind of clones. And, and we had this black lady named Joyce Dunn. And we were doing different interpretations of uh, Heat Wave. We got all the way to number three at the Cow Palace amongst... Mm-hmm. All the other bands, you know, that were dusted. We were in the top three. And the only reason we lost, I think, is because my partners got so scared. They got drunk, literally drunk, drunk, you know. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, and I was so pissed off and embarrassed, you know, because they couldn't play, you know. But it was a, it was a, it was the beginning of giving me a confidence that I could fit where the Grateful Dead were and where Paul Butterfield was. And, 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 and that's where uh, Bill Graham Sami, like, you know, everything that you do begets confidence, you know, and clarity. They're like, oh, I can do this. You know, you see Cream or you see Hendrix. And they're like, oh, even though a lot of people quit after they see Hendrix, I said, <laughs> I said, there's got to be something that he ain't doing that I can do, you know. Uh, so I discovered Gabor Sabo and Bola Sete and guitars with congas. Yeah. When did you first see Hendrix? At the Fillmore. And that was a revelation because uh, Jimi Hendrix was probably the only guitar player that I knew or ever will ever know that could play in cinemascopes around around with feedback on one note, you know, without being wiped out by it. Most, you know, he's like a surfer that ride the big kahuna and sound waves and knew what he was doing. It didn't control him. It, he controlled it. So that was a revelation. It's interesting when you say that. I never thought about this before, but but normally when you think of feedback, you think of it sort of exactly what you said, of it sort of taking over, and he was able to manage it. Mm-hmm. And never, I never made the connection before, even though it's, yes, it's, I mean, when you say it, it's like, of course, it's obvious. That's why he's Jimi Hendrix, but I never thought of it it's in, a in a specific way like that before. It's a wave of sound. It's a wave of sound, like uh, Coltrane, they call them sheets of sound. But yeah, um, so being in San Francisco at the right time was um, a revelation from Ravi Shankar to Johnny Hooker and, and Jimmy and Coltrane. You know, San Francisco was the ultimate alma mater uh, university. And you saw all these guys play? Yeah, Sly, before they were, wow. you know, 
right when they started. Uh, Fred, it was Freddie and Stone Souls before Sly. And so I got I got a chance to see like someone sculpturing pottery, you know, like you, you can see that Sly's coming from uh, Johnny Guitar Watson and this and that, you know, and he's I can see where everybody got where they got, you know, because we all we all come from somebody. Yeah, I didn't see it coming though when Miles came out with Bitches Brew, that was really different. And like you said, you said it to all of us. I can go where you go. You can't go where I go. And wow. I was like, oh. And he said it to, you know, as a blanket statement, because where he went, being with Charlie Parker and Coltrane was another realm of uh, harmonic genius. And do you, think, do you think it was all intuition for him? Or do you think it somehow there was uh, learning involved? Probably intuition a lot. You know, from all the books that I read, even though to some people it seemed like it was complex, if you really look at it from a divine point of view, it was actually predictable. You know, the only time that it was unpredictable is when he was not like Prince and Michael Jackson, the persona, when he was the spirit of Miles Davis, like Coltrane. You know, because the persona is the ego, and that starts mimicking what people say about him, like, oh, I'm the Prince of Darkness, and I'm supposed to, you know, be like that. You know, to this day, I don't understand how he could play the way he played under heroin or cocaine. I just hear my mother say, this is not for you in Espanol. Esto no es para ti. So then she put that in my head. Anytime I try to do anything like that, I couldn't play. I had to go to the shower and stay there <laughs> until I came back to now that I could touch my nose with both hands with my eyes closed and make sense of balance. I couldn't balance anything under those chemical things because they're not medicine. They're chemical drugs. Yeah. Have you had psychedelic experiences? Not till um, I started going to the Fillmore and seeing Charles Lloyd like that and, and you know, and seeing Miles like that and, and a lot of bands, Sandra, you know, this is, it, it opened, it opened, it does open up um, and you understand why Jimmy's music, Sandra's music and the Doors music and certain music, it had a, a different dimension of, uh, it's like watching Salvador Dali paint, you know, the, with clocks melting and stuff, you know, it's, I love it. Uh, to me, being Mexican with the ayahuasca and the mescaline, I love broad, broadening and expanding your imagination to the fullest without fear. I'm just thinking about San Francisco in those days. How many people might be at a nightclub if you went out to a club and you got to see those artists? What would, what would a typical scene be like? Well, you go to the jazz workshop, and it would be Wes Montgomery with Miroslav Vitos. And it, or you go to um, El Matador, it would be Cal Jader with Mongo and, and Willy Bobo or Armando or Bolasete, you know, and, and you go to the both hand and Visa Visadero and it'd be Miles or Lee Morgan. And you go to the Fillmore and you see what was really precious about Bill Graham uh, that, that he said to the hippies, if you want to hear The Grateful Dead, you got to hear Miles Davis first. And if you want to hear Santana, you got to hear Roland Kirk, you know. So he make, made it a mandatory to, to the minds of the hippies. If you want to hear 10 years after, you're going to have to hear Buddy Rich first, you know. And he told me that the reason he put Buddy Rich in front of them is because he was really annoyed by the, this drummer with 10 years after. He was a little arrogant and cocky. And he says, I'm going to fix his ass. 
man, I'm going to put. <laughs> so he so he went and got Buddy Rich to open up for them. <laughs> and he made him listen, you know. And I was like, damn, Bill, you're cruel, you know. Uh, but we need that more than ever now. You know, we, we there's no cross-pollinization of greatness with the youngsters, you know. So consequently, everything, everything sounds the same and terrible. What gave Bill the inspiration to put these people together and to want to share these different genres with people who might not have known that they wanted to hear it? <laughs> well, he grew up in the Catskills in... Um, in New York, uh, working as a waiter, a maitre d' and a waiter. But uh, when he had free time, he would go to uh, Corso. It was this place and about a block, two blocks from um, the Apollo. And it was Tito Puente. And so he was into, uh, he was totally dead, dead on into Tito Puente and Ray Barreto and Mongo. And, and he was an incredible dancer, salsa dancer, uh, b- before they called it salsa. So when he heard Santana, he says, you are the perfect baby that came from B.B. King and Tito Puente. I, I said, I am? <laughs> he goes, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, and so he basically kind of like adopted me more than the band. He, he was like Miles, they would call me, you know. I'm not bragging, but they call me. You know, people who love me call me. John Lee and my phone would ring. And I mean, I say this all the time. For many, many, many years, I never got an award at the Grammys but it didn't matter to me because my phone is ringing and it's Wayne or Miles or Jocko, you know, or Stevie, you know, like that. The greatest musicians are calling me and we're just checking on each other, you know? So that was a validation. That's all you need, man. When Miles calls you any time of the night, you know, and he wants to know what you're into, that's the validation, you know? So beautiful. So great. So great that you got to know him. Any, do you have any funny uh, stories related to Miles? I hear he's quite the character. <laughs> Anything you want to talk about? Well, there's so many. You know, some of them are like. Um, <laughs> what was really funny about him is that he was funnier than Richard Pryor. He really, really was. And and I would just bust up like, man, this guy is like. I'll, I'll just save him because they're 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 not PG at all. You know. <laughs> Uh, but he was fun to be around. Oh, he was definitely. If he loved, if he liked you, yeah, it was really fun. If he didn't like you, uh, he would just say, "Must you be here?" <laughs> wow, that was his way to dismiss somebody, you know, like adios, you know. We'll be right back with Carlos, Cindy, and Rick after a quick break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. 
This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. We're back with Carlos Santana and Cindy Blackman. Tell me about leading up to making your first album. What was, were you playing in clubs? Was it, a, was there a regular, a regular gig at that time? Yeah, once we formed the band, Bill Graham saw that we were opening, uh, and then he, he put a stamp on us. He goes, okay, you're going to open out for The Who, and you're going to open out wow. for Mighty, uh, Holly Wolf, and you're going to open out for uh, Sly, you're going to, you know, Creedence Clearwater, we started Stepping Wolf. We opened out for everybody before we recorded so we were basically playing this this material for about a year and a half before we went to the studio, and we knew it. We knew how to, we knew what we were, what to do with Jingo. You know, Jingo was we just heard a bunch of conga players at Aquatic Park in San Francisco in Gary Deli Square. Jingo, you know, a bunch of conga, twenty two conga players, one flute, and they're all chanting Jingo. And I was like, oh my god, what the hell is Jingo? You know, I didn't know till about ten years ago that Jingo means go with God. Jingo, jingo, pa, go with, go with God. So it's a, it's a spiritual. It's a spiritual song. I had song no idea. From Olatunji, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So everybody was like, what, what do y'all call that music you're playing? <laughs> <laughs> Stepping was and Korean Square Water, like, kept looking at it, especially because they're looking at us and looking at the audience, and they're seeing the immediate uh, marriage response, you know. So by the time we got to the studio, everybody was fighting to get us in their... In, in their record company, uh, Atlantic and Electra and, and Sony. So they, they, CBS, they found this um, producer at the time, his name was David Rubinson, and he had produced Jose Feliciano and, and uh, Mongo Santa Maria. So I said, oh, he knows how to record congas. So he, you know, I don't know if he knows how to record electric guitars. We'll see. And we did an album in LA for about two weeks. And it just didn't sound it or felt anything like we sounded live. So we said, so we told CBS, we'll pay for the sessions, but we're not going to be, we, he's not our producer. We don't want him with all respect to him. But it's like, but uh, no, you know, I, we, I know that some people being the first, you're not supposed to have a say-so in which, which you know, they, they choose for you. And I said, well, I don't, we don't care. I says, well, who are you going to get? I said, well, we'll find somebody. We literally went to Head Ashbury and find one of the first hippies that we saw, and we heard that he could engineer a little bit. So he's your one, you know. I forget his name, and, and so that's what the album sounded so horrible, you know, when we first heard it in Cambridge, Massachusetts, one week before we played Woodstock. The album came out a week before we came out and played Woodstock, and we said, "Whoa, 
us, us, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the congas and the drums sound so thin and the guitar, like, oh my God, you know? It's unusual that you were, that you, again, at that age had the confidence to say, this is not my, this is not our album. When you recorded that first one, because so many young bands in that position just go with it and, and feel like because they, they have gone through the process that that's what it's supposed to be. It's funny how your confidence changes when you're able to play, I wouldn't say under, but over marijuana and LSD. You know, you either become a wimpy or you become really, really treacherous in your convictions. Like, I'll give you an example. When we, when I heard an LSD on Friday night, party time, party time, you know, this guy, this DJ, and he was, uh, he's playing Latin music and all kinds of music because at that time it was like, you know, from A to C and radio. And they were playing Oh You Come About. And I said, man, this is a great Saturday night party song, like Louie Louie or whatever. You know, I, yeah. I wanted to get the songs that that every time you play, it's like Friday and Saturday after school. You know, you go to a, a, a place, somebody has a party, and the guys in the band were like, this ain't rock and roll. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't care when we're playing this thing, you know. And so a, a, a lot of a lot a lot can be said about conviction, not arrogance, or but but you have to have the conviction yeah. to go for your destiny. Sound. Yeah. I was reading about that this morning, coincidentally, about star people. Star people have they're like ascended beings, the transformers of consciousness bringing new ideas, visions, and solutions and inspire artists, musicians to elevate, transform, illumine consciousness to a higher state. They serve as conduits, mediums, and channels. They, they have special gifts and heavenly powers. Everyone's imbued with that, but I think that if you're not careful, the world will program you to be less than that. Absolutely. Absolutely, because everyone's got it. We're all born with it. And some of us just get get it uh, beaten out of us, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And where we are today, you know, um, with Cindy, it's a very special, uh, not even special, special is when something's on sale. It's a, <laughs> it's a, this is divine when you find a person that matches the fervor of of the vision. Beautiful. Yeah. You know? Amazing. Well, when's the first time you guys played together? First time we played together was um, when Carlos needed a drummer. And um, Dennis Chambers was in the band at that time and had, I guess, something else booked mm -hmm. on, a, on, a, on a gig that was off the schedule that Carlos got. And, and he called me. I, I had met him just briefly. Um, I was with Lenny Kravitz, and it was a festival uh, in Germany. And and I know Dennis. I've known him since I was like fourteen. So we were hanging out in the back, and I met Carlos really briefly. Like, hi, how are you? And went on to watch videos or whatever I was doing. Um, so I didn't really uh, interact or talk to him at that point. But um, then when he needed a sub for for Dennis, they somebody called me, and and before they could finish the question of whether or not I would do it, I, I, of course I was saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. It's a it's amazing that. I first met you when you were, I guess, auditioning to be in Lenny's band. Yes. 
In your house. In my house <laughs> in Los Angeles a long time ago. Yeah, 1990, it was end of 1992. Unbelievable. Because it was, I went there right before, um, right after Christmas and stayed through New Year's. Yeah. And um, um, that was the house that you had just purchased. So there was really yeah. like nothing in it because you weren't even living yeah, in it no, yet. No, we were doing construction on it. And, yeah. and I remember Lenny saying, can I stay in your house? It's like, well, it's under construction. He's like, no, we'll stay in it anyway. And <laughs> Yeah, everybody. And I, I basically, he was staying upstairs and I was basically down in that basement. Yeah. <laughs> I had the drums down there. I was, you know, after I, I, I played and, and, and kind of auditioned, then I just stayed down there and learned the songs. Um, I, I basically lived in there for, for, for two weeks. And then we did the Are You Gonna Go My Way video. Yeah. Um, and then, then I went home after that. But, yeah, that was the first time we met as well. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. We're um, setting, setting our eyes towards the new frontier. It's natural to reinvent yourself uh, at this point for us. There's one word that is bringing it all together. And that word is called miraculous. Just this word. I, we are really going to call our tour uh, miraculous <laughs> at 2020. We haven't even played one song yet or even written. <laughs> but I have total faith, you know, Rick, that, that, that this is the way to, like, you know, people make the thing about Love Supreme or Abbey Road or, you know, I don't, we, Supernatural was pretty mean, you know, I, I got to say Supernatural, Supernatural was pretty mean. Uh, but I'm ready to create something that it reaches the four corners of the world with a different kind of consciousness that makes people cry, laugh, dance, especially, and remember their own light. Beautiful. How do you see the relationship between spirituality and music? It's like breathing in and breathing out is the same lungs, you know. The, the spirituality in music and sensuality is, is exactly the same thing because everyone says, oh, my God, at that point. Yeah. Even, even atheists yeah. say, oh, my God. Because <laughs> you can't say, oh, me or, or whatever. Yeah. Did you ever get to see Tito Puente play? Oh, yeah. We played many times together. Oh, great. You know? He was my dad's favorite. I, I got to see him play as a kid several times. Yeah. He, Cal Jader, and Buddy Rich were awesome leaders who brought to the masses African music, black music. They, they all play black music. <laughs> you know? I mean, they play all music, but, you know, the best part of Buddy Rich, he played black music. Did did Fiana music happen at a similar time to your music? Oh, Fania, yeah. Yeah. They came in because they saw that it was working. They, you know, they said, oh, who is this Mexican from San Francisco in Tijuana? It doesn't even know clave. And But it was Ray Barreto who said, ladies and gentlemen, there's a, there's a musician in the house. And I, I went, oh. And he says, there's a musician in the house who's taking our music to the four corners of the world. This is Santana. And I want you to give him a nice hand. That was Ray Barreto. Not everybody was so nice. Some people were really jealous, pissed off, and insecure because we were taking so-called their music. And I said, well, it's not your music. It's African music. Before Puerto Rico or Cuba was invented, they were already playing this music. <laughs> like, like, you Absolutely. know, Guajira, you know. So, so I, I, I immediately would go, well, what do you mean is your music? You know, like, for, for me, it was easy to... Um, 
I'm just grateful to be in the center of it all. And if we, to this day, man, if we play with Jimi Hendrix, uh, when we do play with Jimi Hendrix and Bob Marley and Coltrane, they're going to open their arms to us because we're coming from exactly the same place, which is multidimensional, collective consciousness, commonality. We'll be right back with Carlos, Cindy, and Rick after the break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com business podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC, Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. We're back with Carlos Santana and Cindy Blackman. It was thrilling for me to be in the room when you were playing because it really felt like there was a, a presence in the space beyond any of the people there. Is that ability to call up that presence, is that always been there for you? Pretty much, pretty much so. You know, it's, um, I had this dream on my birthday. John Coltrane came to visit me. I had this visitation. I don't even call it a dream. Um, I went to see in my dream uh, and to hear John McLaughlin at the Catalyst, this funky club in Santa Cruz. And I was getting ready to get him close, as close as possible to the front, sit, sit in front of the stage as much as possible while he was fixing his shoes and tuning his guitar. And out of nowhere, parting the crowd was John Coltrane and with his hand stretched out to me. And he grabbed my hand and looked at me in the eyes, looked at me in the eyes and he says, Carlos, what's the purpose of divine intentionality? And I, I immediately said, to uplift those into the awareness of their own light. 
you know, and I woke up and I said, Cindy, Cindy, you're not Cindy, you're not gonna believe this. And she's you know, it's like, what what is Cindy? And, and and I'm telling her the dream, and my phone rings, and it's John McLaughlin from Monaco. <laughs> and so I told John the dream, and he says, Wow, brother, that's really something else. He says, I had a dream too. I had a visitation too. No. Miles came to visit me. No way. No, I swear, you know. <laughs> so for him and I. And and Stevie Ray does that a lot to me. BB, you know, Jocko. I'm okay with people thinking that I'm crazy because I have more latitude. You know, people, <laughs> people who are not crazy, they don't have any latitude at all. Their, their normality is like really boring and, you know, with a ceiling. You know, I don't have a ceiling. So these visitations, you know, Cindy has her own, you know, and it, there's clues in there. Yeah. It's like reading a book and you outline certain things that are like a love letter to yourself. And and so I can see that this miraculous thing has a lot to do with possibly calling John to help us here and there, you know, maybe Chikoria in certain places. Uh, But I want it so that a child can understand it. It's important that a child can, you know, just be mesmerized and be uplifted from herself or himself into a place of total wonderment. If it's, if it's too complicated and, and you have to go to college to understand it, it's no good for me. But you do that when you, when you, when you play melodies uh, because you, your melodies are so uh, intense and, and, and the tone is so beautiful you. that you, you capture that. You know, um, like Miles Davis, you know, he plays one note and everybody you is feel it is and remember feel, it. Yeah, is yeah. feeling it. You know, so you, you, you have that with whatever you're playing. I am here in this planet, this incarnation, to bring healing and erase the distance, illusion between you and your highest you. Beautiful. That's it. Yeah. To end this album, Miraculous, I want to end it with do 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 dee 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 do 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 dee 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 do You know the rest. Life is but a dream. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because that's, like I said, you got to reach the children, man, of all ages. You know, you do everything that you do. <laughs> Sometimes I, I'll, I'll play something in the set, you know, in front of a lot of people, like when we play with the Dewey Brothers, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let them, I'll do that. The whole audience goes, life is but a dream. Okay, see you later, you know. <laughs> At that point, there's no Republican or Democrat or this or that, man. It's just, you know, that's what's happening. Beautiful. Thank you. No, so great to hear you hear you speak. I always feel like I um, I always feel like I've grown when I get to spend time with you. Wow. Likewise, yeah. likewise, your silence is really profound, man. You know, I, 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 I really learned, man. Like, damn, this cat, I learned so much by him not saying nothing like Miles. You know. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to Carlos Santana and Cindy Blackman for sharing their vision with Rick. You can hear our favorite Santana songs in the full Africa Speaks album by checking out our playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. 
And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash broken record podcast, where you can find extended cuts of past episodes and also new ones. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Martin Gonzalez, Eric Sandler, and is executive produced by Mia LaBelle. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. And if you like Broken Record, please remember to share, rate, and review our show on your podcast app. I'm Justin Richmond. Peace. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024.